One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On this. Uh that's good. Okay, that's all very very good. Let's press this. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Here I am in the dungeon with Phil. Hello, Philip. Hello, Jonathan. And down the line, due to the unspecified virus of unknown origin, Tim Cocker. <laughs> yeah, hello, gents. How are you, mate? Sorry, I can't be with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I feel better now than I did yesterday. Good. Um, it, it comes and goes in waves, but, but I'm all right. Um, but yeah, just sorry, I can't be with you, gents. Oh, well, we're, we are equally sorry. And by the way, Happy New Year, guys. Yes, of course. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy the, the, New Year. The most timid New Year I've ever had. What did you get up to? Absolutely nothing. I went to bed, bed at 11. <laughs> I think um, I was in bed before 11. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the government successfully smashed any New Year's joy in Wales that, there was, that you know, it was possible to have. So that will be that. Oh yeah, you were back in Wales. I, I was, was. Say, it was quite nice actually because I because uh, I was working on New Year's Day. I didn't drink. I was the designated driver, mm. and as we drove back through Chalton in, in South Manchester, where you and I live, JB and Phil used to live, um, I, it was quite comforting how many people were out in a few of the watering holes. Well, I went out on New Year's Day for just a little drive around the town of Flanders. I didn't know to see what was going on. I counted two people in five open pubs. And, you know, get, granted, it's New Year's Day. The big celebration was going to be the night before. But all the pubs were opened. Two people were out. And it was a Saturday night because you've got two more like, yeah. two more days. So uh, well done for, for crushing jobs and in industries, guys. You've done a, a, a superb job if that was your intention. Anyway, <laughs> let's do some housekeeping because you can find this podcast on Twitter at Rugby Podcast, me at Jay Beardmore, Cocker at Cocker if he so decides to be there. Uh, or you, there is Facebook and occasionally use, occasionally YouTube. And, of course, the email address, which is contacteggchasers at gmail.com. Now, uh, we've just had the New Year, which means New Year's Rugby. Who watched what? I watched most of it. Uh, I think I watched all of the live games, or most of all of the live games, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, it was probably one of the first times in a long time I've been able just to dedicate nothing but watching rugby time to watching to watching rugby without fiddling or without uh, uh, without being distracted. I thoroughly enjoyed my four hours of rugby across the Sale game and then the Bristol Exeter game. And then the Quinns-Gloucester or Gloucester-Quinns game that on the Sunday. That was a phenomenal game. I, I really enjoyed it, albeit I kind of think Quinns will think that they should have scored more points. And indeed Gloucester will think... Yeah, I think in, Gloucester should have had it. Gloucester, 
in the first half, they should have been ahead. Yeah. They should have gone up ahead. Um, Quinns did well to come back. But then in the second half, Gloucester basically didn't have a sniff other than their try. Nope. They, they didn't exit their half for most of the second half. Well, before we go any further with that, I just need to point out the game that didn't happen this weekend. And I'm not Ooh, even yes. talking about London Irish West v London Irish East. Not Ooh. even talking about that. Oh. Um, which, although, uh, congratulations to Bath on get, uh, improving their points by 50%. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, not, <laughs> it's not formally been announced yet, has it? But if it, uh, if it goes as expected... Then, then Bath will get two points. Bath will get two points, which will be the first time that they've got more than one point in a league game since June. <laughs> wow. And and because they um, had a COVID defeat midweek against Exeter as well, they're, 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 they'll have picked up, albeit in two different competitions, but four points in two games. Fair play. Things are on the up. Things are on the up. Well, well, well in, interestingly, I'm just looking for it now. Yeah, here we go. Earlier today, only a few hours ago, uh, Premier Rugby have announced the um, decision in the Premier Rugby Cup game, Premiership Rugby Cup game, and they've given Exeter a 28-0 win over Bath in that. So Bath actually get zero points. Or... No, I think they get. I think they get still get two points. I think it's still four and two. How does that work? How do you? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I might be wrong on that. Yeah, because in in the Premiership Rugby, in the normal games, it's they don't give a score. I. 28 nil or anything like that because for it oh, to yeah. be it would have to be um 28 27 with four tries for it to be a uh four point and two point oh no it would it, even that wouldn't make sense it'd have to be like uh 22 points i say 21 points with three tries and three penalties no conversions against 20 points with four tries and no conversions yeah, yeah. So I, d- I don't know actually, but, but anyway, the, the game that didn't happen, which I was mo- the the game I was most looking forward to out of any rugby game uh, across the entire New Year period, was Ealing Trailfinders versus Cornish Pirates. Ah, oh, was that uh, postponed? Is it postponed or is it cancelled? That, that was postponed. We don't, we don't. I actually don't know if it's cancelled or postponed. It, we know that it was Cornish Pirates had uh, cases in their camp, which meant the game couldn't go ahead which was such a shame because just looking at that table again, you've got three points between the top four teams. Oh, it is yeah, juicy. so well set. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame that hopefully, hopefully that will get replayed because presumably they won't have the fixture congestion that the Premiership teams have. No, because I Correct. think... Correct. Yeah, I think they are due to finish, say, March or, or April time. Bloody hell. To finish the league. So... so Shall we talk some Premiership? Because as we've all watched it, we can really get into it this week. Uh, are there any sort of... I'm just trying to think of it. Are there any news stories? Oh, uh, no. There's only a salary cap breach for Leicester. And, uh, Which we touched on that last week. Yeah. And a DOR is leaving the Premiership. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> i tell you what. Uh, whilst we're on it as well, it's not news. But if you, go on, if you go on Twitter and you follow people who enjoy watching the club, which they call Munster... There's a lot of consternation about the performance of Johan Grant's team and what he's done to them. So that that was that was enjoyable to watch after their defeat to Connacht. Yeah, the, I, the I DOR that's leaving. Shall we talk about that when we talk? Shall, shall we talk about it when we get to that game? Because there's not there's <laughs> is not that much, a little is that a little hint? Yeah, there's not really much to talk about in the game, but it, there is something to talk about. The, the, well, I, 
Go on, Phil. What are you going to say? I was going to say there's one of the, if, if if you want to save that as a little teaser. a little tease, you've got to listen to the whole podcast now to find out, and you probably will do because it's it might be the game that we talk about last. Yes, but um, one other thing on Twitter, just because you mentioned Twitter. Mm. Um, oh, I know what you're going to say, Phil. And I was literally about to bring this up. Were you? Be what, what I think it is. Go on. Friend of the pod, Carl Ferns. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. I've, been, I've been very much enjoying what reading so his good. Twitter. And I love that he's he's not taking it, he's not taking it very seriously at all. There's a lot of people who seem to be taking it incredibly seriously. Yeah, people... You know, it's amazing, isn't it? It shows the lack of knowledge of some people. Oh, not lack of knowledge, but how stupid they are. <laughs> so if you think you're a rugby fan and you say something like, oh, I don't even know who he is. I mean, I mean yeah, you think you're funny. You're not funny because you're just displaying incredible arrogance. Uh, he was at one point, by my estimates, probably the best paid in, or one of the best paid English rugby players he, he might have been the in best, the world. Yeah, he might have been the <laughs> best paid English rugby player for his uh, club salary. Yeah. I mean, the, the highest paid English rugby player when he's at Lyon. So when you're saying, I don't know who this guy is, uh, whoops, that's, uh, that's Well, yeah, to, to that's recap, great. To, to, to explain, in case anyone hasn't seen, uh, <laughs> excuse me, a, a, a suspension got handed to Jasper Visa, and Carl Ferns quote tweeted that and said, oh, that's a shame. I was looking forward to... Uh, some I can't remember exactly what he said. Entering in the side with an elbow. Yeah, yes. yeah. I was looking forward to getting taken out by a sly elbow uh, as he came into a ruck from the side. The ironic part about that is he probably was. I don't think that was a sarcastic comment. That was it's probably the sort of stuff he enjoys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so some people uh, took that. Well, I mean, Jasper Vies is not a guy that anyone needs to come to the defence of. Not really. And, uh, no. I'd, lo- I'd but, love those uh, two to get into it. And equally, what I love is that Carl Ferns doesn't give a damn anymore. He just doesn't care. No, he's uh, he's in a rather good place up in Newcastle, and he's playing some good rugby again. Uh, although maybe the result this weekend might not have uh, displayed his talents in exactly. Well, what on earth was that? Do you do you hear that? Was that you, Tim? Was that you, Tim? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was me just clicking on a Carl Ferns tweet. Ah, right. Yes, I was going to say. Sorry. Well, I think this weekend might not have showcased his talents exactly how he'd like them to be showcased. Probably not. I've only seen the highlights of that game, but it was beat well, down. It's one way traffic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. As Leicester Tigers roll on. Uh, yeah, he. Well, I know him fairly well now, and he's a pretty honest bloke. He would actually say that in real life. I mean, that is just the sort of sort of stuff he says. But I've got some. I've got an interesting little bit of other information on this and allegedly allegedly there was a bonus put out for the Leicester Tigers players to get a shot on Cole Ferns really yeah that's 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 what I've, I've heard when you say a shot really on, as yeah. in like a legal tackle or an illegal I, hit, I, it, it has could, to it be could... it has to be legal yeah. I'm not gonna countenance the idea that Leicester Tigers do anything as silly as um yeah anything as silly as something illegal <laughs> despite their current woes um <laughs> but yeah that's that's exactly what what has been said uh now if that's true that's remarkable for two reasons because i seem to remember a guy in the nfl getting banned from coaching in the nfl for what they call bounty gates and this was the new orleans saints defensive coordinator greg williams but i think the difference was even though he was giving bounties out for legal shots, the idea was to take the player out of the game. Yes. And he got banned and really heavily fined for that, which I am 100% against. Um, and so, that, yeah, there's an interesting dynamic there. Should they be targeting a player with 
a bonus. So a financial bonus. Financial bonus. Well, it, the financial bonus would have to go into their salary cap well, as well. Yeah. Well, which, which is a risky time for Leicester to be yeah. incentivising their players. Unless, of course, it was a whip round. I'd be all, all for that. I mean, we used whip, to have yeah. shot of the day at uh, Broughton Park and we loved it. I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, if that's what they're doing, great. The other part of this is, Whatever he said, joking or not, got back to Leicester camp and they took it pretty seriously. It, well, it, it made... and it, I, I do think he was having a laugh about it, albeit in the best comedy there is a slight um, element of truth in there, <laughs> which I think there was in this case. Um, but it does make, regardless of what he said, it made Leicester's team talk incredibly easy. Very. And that's the beautiful thing, thing about rugby. There was, um, there was a little clip, actually, of Dana White, the UFC president, uh, responding to... Allegations of racism within the UFC. So one fighter against another, one fighter said something which is racially insensitive. And, you know, the question was, you know, what are you going to do about this? How, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to punish this individual? It's like, it's a fight. Uh, I'll let him do his own punishing. And I kind of see that natural justice element in rugby, which is why I absolutely love it. Yeah, the, the natural justice side. And I, I am all for natural justice as long as it is um, legal, legal within the laws. Within the laws. It, there is nothing better than having like there's been a bit of a falling out, a bit of fisticuffs or a bit of handbags, whatever it is, and then you put an amazing or someone puts an amazing legal hit on the the opposite man. Yeah, it's well, awesome. I didn't see any amazing legal hits. Well, I saw lots of amazing legal hits, but I didn't see the one worthy of the bounty. I will say this though: at thirty-one nil, maybe they should all get a bonus. Just get the cash back. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. a pretty impressive way to answer any it is. any detractors. Yeah, I've just looked at the, the the picture of our our mate Fernsey on on Twitter, and uh, much as Phil talked about in a, a few episodes ago, the etiquette with wearing uh, dinner jackets and dinner suits. Carl Ferns is wearing a full collar with his bow tie. Of course, yes. of course, he is. He looks great. Although he is wearing a watch, which Phil said was uh, well, that that was a JB, not thing. the done thing. Yeah, that was a JB. Yeah, not really. the done thing. I'm afraid. But yeah. So, oh dear, oh dear. But uh, it, it is. It, it looks like. Um, he has tied that bow tie as well, impressively. It does look I, like he's tied the bow tie, you're right. And I like the, the black black and silver buttons, it looks like. Very, very stylish. Very nice indeed. Yeah, looking good. The silverback does what he wants. Absolutely. Exactly what he does. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, whilst we're talking about Leicester, salary cap uh, noises rumble on. And here's the latest that I have heard about it, which, you, well, I'll let you two decide what this means if it means anything at all but allegedly Leicester Tigers have said that they've not paid a penny into this image rights com- company which of mm. course if that was to be true uh, leads us to all sorts of other things to, 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 to talk about because um, if they haven't paid any money into it who has? Or has anyone? Yeah it's got links to former players Yeah, um, but we we simply don't know. We don't know what money's exchanged hands from who to whom at any point in time. So yeah. So it looks like uh, there's about a hundred thousand pounds worth of money been distributed from this company to whoever it may be. Um, it looks like. But so Leicester, but Leicester Tigers haven't paid the company. But Leicester Tigers have not paid the company. Okay. So, so that gives us no information, really. Well, unless. There's a third party paying the company. Ooh. Do you see what I mean? So if it was um, a shareholder of Tigers, director yep. of Tigers, 
um, a sponsor of tigers, uh, you know, as Americans would call them, a booster of tigers, and then that distributing money to certain players. Now, I've said before, uh, Les Tigers have been fairly um, open, and you know they pay image rights, and it's all perfectly legal, uh, and they've always liked doing that. So, two things come from this. In terms of the structure, if this is if this is the case, um, I think that's slightly more serious than the Saracen situation, because you know, there's a clear there's a clear way that they breached the well. It looks like it's an intentional breach, is what I'm saying. Well, Saracens could hold up their hand and say, hey, we were just trying to help our players, or we thought this was legal, or there's some some way, you know. In terms of the money, though, if it's only £100,000, there's a good chance that it could be a slap on the wrist for not reporting, and they could still well they could well be underneath their salary cap. So of the two things there, the £100,000, if, if that is the magnitude of it, then it is significantly lower. Like The, the Saracens was... Well over a million pounds yes. breach across multiple years, but um, which which is what it was the three times multiplier that led them to a five million pound um, fine. Yes, so it's you're a million and a half um, or greater um, breach across multiple seasons. So the hundred thousand pounds, if that is the right magnitude, you, it would suggest that it's not an enormous um, breach. The other side, though, that you mentioned that it, this suggests it could be intentional. Yes, and this suggests it could be worse than the Saracens. Now, I, I, based on what we've got, which is limited, I don't, I don't necessarily come to those conclusions. Well, I in, suppose in, on either count, actually. So let's just work out. Let's just work through this. Okay, so the most malicious version of this would be uh, literally one of the club owners paying money into this as a way to get around the salary cap. Yes, that that would be the worst worst case scenario, <clears throat> which is. Um, not that dissimilar to what uh, Nigel Ray did in paying for houses yes. and pay, buying image rights um, without... So funneling money from his pocket to other people via other means. Yeah. Now, the other version of this, which I could kind of get on board with, but you know, maybe... It's definitely not great, is if Leicester Tigers did some work with a company, say... Who wanted you know the players you know a sponsor say he wanted George Ford on the cover of a magazine or something? They say, well, you know, pay us this, but this is the company that deals with with the players' image rights. Pay that into there, and that will pay pay the player. Maybe that's. I, but the answer is, I do not know, do, and nobody knows. Until yeah, we simply don't know. We'd, we'd only be speculating. I know. I I just think it's the magnitude is obviously way less than Saracens. I just think it it's it wouldn't be right to. Um, attribute intention and mm. say whether it's it's worth or not until we know a bit yeah. more. So just some interesting angles. It will develop, I am sure. Yes, yeah. And it, it there is there's a fantastic irony, or there would be a fantastic irony. Not if you're a Leicester Tigers fan, but um, for a team that twice avoided relegation through total fortune, because <laughs> when they when they were frankly not actually good enough to be in the league, they weren't. They should have been relegated to avoid it twice um, through no credit to themselves, but then get relegated when they are actually the single best team in the league. There would be some irony there for other people to enjoy, but maybe not less the Tiger fans. Uh, what an astonishingly self-harming sport. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely the last thing that it needed. Yeah. It's, I, it's, uh, I mean, if you, from the outside... You know, we're all very much inside baseball. We're going to watch it and follow it, regardless. But it's it it's just a oh, it's just awful that we're back here again. Yeah, I, 
I'll say this openly. Like, if they get, if they are guilty of this, I'll be heartbroken because it's such a good story, and what they do on the pitch is so good. It's so, so good. So I, I can very much see them being guilty of it, but them just, just, just having a fine. Yeah, but even losing, missing out on the playoffs yeah. this year would be so. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't even necessarily think that that would happen. Do, do you not I, think there's points points deduction? Because I can see them. Yeah, I, I don't. On the face of it, from what we know, I, I'd like it. Or sorry, what we think we know. I would like to. I'd like to see them not um, have a have a points deduction, or you know, you know sorry, have a have a oh, what's what, a, a proportionate punishment. But I just think you know, missing out on the playoffs after everything everything that they've done, it just it just be tragic. And it, sorry, that's what, that, that's what that's what I was going to say. Uh, I, I can see them getting away with a, a proportionate punishment, but I can also see them being stupid enough. Or rugby itself being stupid enough to snowball this into something where they do get relegated because you could get relegated o- o- over hundred thousand pounds if you handle it like Saracens' lawyers. <laughs> well, I mean, Saracens wouldn't have got relegated over one and a half million pounds. Yeah, even with their awful lawyers, um, it was only when they refused to open the books that they got some automatic relegation. And their first fine, they actually, I think, would have been safe had they have only got their first points deduction. It was then because they got was it thirty five initially. And then a subsequent seventy. Yes. So, so if if you if we take oh, it and all automatic relegation was a separate punishment to seventy. It was seventy, but seventy, and that guaranteed you were getting automatic relegation. I thought they were different, and the reason I thought they were different is well, be, because of the regulation. I thought it's three separate punishments. So that they were, they they ended up being this one and the same thing, but the they were given this extra seventy points to make sure that no they could not they could never catch anyone. Yes. Except for if someone else had a points deduction for something else, say someone goes into administration or something else happens, or fielding ineligible players, but then they were also slapped on. No, you guys, even if someone else massively cocks up this season, you are going down, by the way. Right, got it, got it. So I thought, yeah, doesn't matter what I thought, leave it with that. Yes. So, yeah, if if we take that proportion, and I don't know if they do, but um, so if it is 100k, it is one fifteenth the scale of the Saracens' breach, roughly one fifteenth, one sixteenth, something like that. So they would get one fifteenth, one sixteenth of the third, the initial thirty-five point deduction. So they might get a small point deduction. I have no idea if it works like that, if it's linear or what. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I can't see them getting relegated if it is a hundred. But then, but then, I what, if they, can't see what them. if they don't uh, open their books? Well. <laughs> then, then you've got other problems, <laughs> yeah. And that's the kind of you know that's what I mean by uh, you know you start with one thing and that snowballs into another thing, much like Saracens, and then then you've got the problems. The cover up is worse than the crime. Well, also to to highlight rugby just shooting itself in the foot again. This story was leaked as well. Like th- th- this came out, it didn't it, it didn't come out in the manner it, under its own steam. Okay, so I wasn't going to talk about this, but as you brought it up, do you want me to tell you where I think I've heard where I think it's come from? So I, I first saw it or heard of it in the Times. Yeah, and then I'm assuming that there's a, an investigation through a jur- journalist in the same way that I think Saracens was a journalist doing the initial digging on that. Yeah, and linking Von Prop Limited and. Faz Limited and hiding in plain sight. Yeah, so I understand it to be something like there is a player who wanted a pay rise, and the club who he plays for says, "No, you're not having a pay rise." So this player then goes back to his club, says, "Well, 
um, this is how we did it in Leicester Tigers. So maybe. Oh, so this is a player who's left Leicester Tigers. Yes, yes. Okay. This is how we did it in, in Leicester Tigers. And the owner, the owner or the management goes, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if, if the newspaper would like to find out. So I, so I checked this. I checked uh, if that was a true story. And the, well, I was told it was not. So it hasn't come from a club. Uh, so then the next question was, did it come from an agent? And of course, the agents are going through a little bit of a dispute now with the, with the league as to who pays what and who pays the salaries of the players. So I actually think it, it I think it's come from I think it's come from an agent who has a who has a player in a different club but also a player in Leicester Tigers and is just look, looking he's got for an leverage. Axe, yeah, yeah he's an got an axe to grind. And there'll be there's a lot of people who were frustrated, not least some Leicester players who stayed at Leicester, but also uh, two of whom are now moving on in in Ford and Genge, but also Leicester players who left Leicester like um well, Manu Eastman, um, the, the Vial, uh, Tolfilla, Tolfilla, yeah, um, and uh, Vianu, Vianu, and the prop uh, Bateman, yeah, Greg Bateman, etc. No Reed being another one. So there's there's plenty of people They've who really have, not recovered after losing No Reed. <laughs> there's plenty of people who have may, might have information who might have an axe to grind. Yeah, so that, that's. Oh, that, that's everything we know about Leicester, Leicester Tigers. Yes. Uh, well, Harry Harry Nye's email, uh, has emailed us, contactedchasers at gmail.com. Love the pod, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, start, starting 2022 as they left off in 21, Leicester's consummate performance at home to Newcastle means they've now won 16 straight games in all competitions. Their last defeat being, do you know when? Bristol. Home. Correct. Oh. Don't, don't, lie, don't Pat. lie, Pat. Don't lie, don't Pat. Don't lie, don't lie Pat. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that was their last defeat. Um, what a turning a, point! Yeah, for, for yeah. both. What a turning point for both clubs. The fall of an empire and yes. the rise of an empire. God, that is like exactly a, what I. It's exactly what I was thinking, Phil. It's yeah. a sliding doors moment, isn't it? If wow. only Pat hadn't lied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but w- will twenty twenty two be the year of the tiger? Is Ooh. Harry's question. Somebody said, oh, "I'll tell you what it was." It's Mark Evans, and I love what Mark Evans says about rugby. Um, he said he sees them going on to win win the Premiership now. I don't mm. see that. I just don't see them in a big playoff game, well, two big playoff games, winning it. But I said that about uh, I said that about Harlequins, and it does seem uh, yeah. to matter. League form does seem to matter when you get into the playoffs. I thought Harlequins had no chance, but I, I was wrong about Harlequins. Le- Leicester can win it. Leicester definitely can. So can Saracens. So can Exeter. So can Harlequins. Yeah, that they are. I mean, it's not hard to say that based on current form, but they're the, they're, they are the best four teams in the league. Well, do you know? I was thinking this in terms of Europe, and I was thinking, who are the European teams scared of? And I don't think it's Exeter. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be Bristol or Sale. I don't think any of those look scary. But actually, when you look at the European campaign so far, Leicester Tigers and and Harlequins have done really, really well. So it does sort of bear out that those would be the two teams who I who I think are probably in the driving seat to win it now. I mean, don't don't write off Exeter f- from Europe. Don't forget what they did two years ago to, who was it, Racing 92 and Toulouse? Yeah, it's not happening again. The, I, I can mean, guarantee this. I, I don't think it will happen again, but don't write off Exeter too soon. Because uh, th- that was th- two unbelievable performances. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. <laughs> uh, no, I'm serious. After watching this week's game, I've got lots of thoughts on Exeter, and I think they're a different... T- I think they're going in it. 
They're going in a different direction. It's going to take at least a season for them to re-establish it. Well, if they're ever going to be dominant again, it's going to take. They're going to go. I think they're going to drop off to be a very good top half of the table team. Mm. That's it. They're not going to be dominant again for a long time. Well, I, I think this is their best chance for a while this season. Uh, not that their form has been outstanding this season, but it's the best chance because of the players they're losing. So to lose Johnny Hill will yep. be massive. And to lose someone like Sam Skinner. Big. Who, who yeah, he is big. And he is he he probably doesn't start in the if they play a European final tomorrow or a premiership final tomorrow, he probably doesn't start. No. But if there's one injury, he can cover four, five, six, seven, and he's such a useful bench player that because he's such a Big strong boy. He's a very big strong boy. Yeah, you know, they've been very good at utilizing big strong boys in, in the past. I used to Absolutely. love it when they played uh, Mitch Lees. I used to love watching Mitch Lees. <laughs> yes, biggest and strongest of all the boys. Certainly the biggest. Yeah. Now, should we talk about that, that game because we're here? Yeah, um, but f- can oh, we just oh. talk about the try celebration <laughs> element first? Because uh, well, there's two things they've gone for, they've gone for a bum tap. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But, but uh, we did get an email. I'll find it, which suggested that. There was actually a ball grab. It's that, that what? Like, and I didn't see this. I saw the bum tap. I, I, uh, but this yeah. is, I saw some movements but, down there. Did uh, you? Uh, this, yeah. This is an email from Matt Good. He says, um, "I'm currently, I'm currently watching the racists versus the hairy homosexuals." <laughs> uh, and I couldn't help notice the Exeter cop ta- cock tap has evolved into more of a full-on ball grab. If you Ooh. look closely after Hogg's try, Jack Yendall goes for a full-on squeeze of Hogg's meat and two veg. Um, yeah. Makes sense uh, I have to, to say, I, I have to say I was in two minds about sending this as I feel like a bit of a snitch and I don't want to spoil their fun. <laughs> so I won't be offended if you don't mention it. No, we're, Matt, that's getting a mention, mate. It has done. Thank you. That's exactly what the email address is for. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Well done, Matt. Well done. I loved the cock tap so much when they were doing that. I, I loved it when we still... I think we drew uh, people's attention to the cock tap. Back in the day. Um, I... <laughs> back in the day. We, we drew people's attention to the cock tap. And then I remember uh, Dave Flatman asking one of the players about it on an interview. No, no, you don't. You remember You remember Kai Horseman talking about it on the rugby dungeon. That's what you remember. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Anyway, so we, we brought the cock tap, which they were doing, we brought it to, you know, mass attention... And, but then, do you remember what they then did? Yeah. <laughs> they formed circles. So, <laughs> you, so just, uh, just a quick history lesson on the, on the cock tap. Started off as a very well-meaning um, little, little tap to highlight testicular cancer. Uh, and it, ju- they, <laughs> it just got carried away. They, they just got carried away. And <laughs> allegedly, there were lads in training that refused to score tries just so they could avoid. <laughs> and the other lads just turn around and go, eh, strange, must not like scoring tries. <laughs> but there was, uh, I remember it was the 20, 2017 Lions tour where, when you'd have the video, you'd have the cameras at the training ground for the announcement of the squad. And I think it was Jack Knoll. Yeah. Got, got picked on the squad and, and everyone went up to him. <laughs> was whacking his cock. Yeah, it, it, as uh, Kai Horsman said, it just got, it, it got too far, and we kind of lost. Uh, yeah, it did. lost the, uh, the meaning of the gesture. I mean, it was ridiculous by the end. 
Yeah, I wish someone had... It was so good, though. Yeah, there's it a guy, was so good. guy on Twitter and YouTube called Andrew Ford, and he pulls together loads of clips of um, you know great rugby moments. Mm-hmm. I wish he would do one of, of the most the cocktops. outrageous cocktops. <laughs> All of them. All of them. 20-minute compilation. <laughs> starting, from, starting from the very modest ones, going all the way up to when it's basically banned. But it was, it's that kind of thing, which uh, it's it's a silly little thing in itself, but it just uh, it, it speaks to the... It spoke to the unity of that Exeter team at that time. Yes. And it, was a, and it was a team that went on and won stuff. It sounds ridiculous talking about that when you're talking about someone tapping a cock. But um, yeah, it's, I, uh, loved, I loved it. Well, there was another celebration for Exeter this week for the Johnny Hill try. And I, I'm not sure who it was. I think it might have been LCD. Um, flops on. So Harry Thacker was basically lying next to, attempted to make a tackle on Johnny Hill as he crashed over the line, lying next to him. And then someone, let's say LCD, um, and then the half the Exeter team all flop on top of him and everyone's celebrating with Harry Thacker at the bottom of this, this massive Exeter pylon. Poor old Harry Thacker. Ugh. So let's talk, right, let's talk about Exeter, because I've got lots of thoughts about them. Yes. Lots of thoughts. So, um, this was quite a close game. This is quite a close game, far more so than the scoreline sc- score showed. So I thought Exeter were kind of, they were very effective, they weren't effective as such at the start, uh, but they were trying to play rugby. And in my mind, they have moved very, very far away from what they originally were. So if you think about Exeter, they're a very scripted, very organised team, to the point that actually, if you notice they've got like little armbands on and bandages around the wrists, a lot of the lads will actually have what they're meant to do written down on their wrist. So if you look at LCD going to throw a line-out, he still looks at his wrist as he goes to throw, uh, as he goes to throw a line-out, which I think is fascinating because he must have on his wrist what he, and maybe what he needs to do in certain you know, certain positions of the field, I don't know, but he's looking well, at his wrist. Well, maybe that's because they will change their calls. So they have the same calls, but they'll recode it for a game so people don't have a read on their line-out. Yeah. So, so boat ball becomes tree ball. Yes. Or they've changed their letters to numbers. They yeah, could be all yeah, sorts. Yeah. Recoding. It could be that, it could be all sorts. But they do actually write down some of their jobs um, on their wrists. So that's the sort of team they are. They look like they've gone away from that because it's not been effective. And they look like they're trying. They're trying something else, which is effectively turning into 2018 wasps, relying on talent and that attacking trident of Noel, Hog, and Slade. They've handed over the keys to them. Said, "Boys, just do your worst. See what you can do." And in the first ten minutes, it was brilliant because there's that phenomenal try which they score. The O'Flaherty, yeah, with Noel rubber crossfield through. That's brilliant. And um, then Hog one two to, yeah. And then right at the end, it, they, they they come alive too. Now, BT Sport gave them on the match to... Um, Hoggy. Hoggy. But I don't think that was well-deserved, actually. I thought the 10 minutes at the start, he was good. 10 minutes at the end, oh, they were good. I, actually, I think they might, be give, they might be giving it to him for his for his new gnashes. Has he got new teeth, do you reckon? They look new lovely. New teeth, new hair. Wow, he's having some work done. He is. Someone's doing, doing all right for himself. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it does seem like a, a really orchestrated move from, away from what they were doing, which is that power game. I mean, when they got into the Bristol five-metre line, they weren't nearly as effective as they've been, <clears> been in the past with, with, with their pick-and-goes. So they've, they have... It's, uh, go on, Tim, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I don't think it's wholly different or wholly unexpected. Exeter, for some time, have been one of the most expansive and effective attacking teams, particularly from distance, distance for a yeah. while. 
Yes. yes. They, they, they were always willing to have a crack. And But, yeah, exactly. The way they finished the tries, it used to be they would carve out an incredible opportunity, sometimes from inside their own half, and then get to get close and then go into Exeter five-meter mode. But uh, that's the bit that they're having to tweak. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't think the style is so different from what they've been doing for a while. They they evolved. They evolved that attacking style as they were actually winning European and Premiership, yeah. European Cup and Premiership. When I think of Exeter, in my mind, I've got this attacking triangle, right? And right at the tip of the triangle is like the, the like the least risk. So if you think about going across the field, when you're in uh, the middle part of the field, that'd be like the the fat part of the triangle with loads of risk and as they get towards the five meter line they eliminate the risk until the point that they get to 68 different phases on on pick and goes and score i think that's i think that's exactly what you're identifying to they're very very expansive when they're far away from the try line and as they get closer they wind down the risk now i think they got so good <clears throat> at the pick and go game they were actually executing that far earlier than they were in previous seasons so last year you know when you look at the wins particularly in europe was it last year they won Europe? No, the year, year before year that. Before. You know that was <clears throat> them at that absolute height. They got so good at that one style, style of rugby. I think a lot of the ex- expansive stuff went because they just didn't need it as such. Well, they, they still looks, did use it. Yeah, but it was it was more <clears throat> to. I mean, they scored some amazing tries that season from strike yeah. moves fifty yards out. Yes, but they also used it to get field position. Yeah, I, I just I think that they've they are trying to do something else with this team now which will not be as effective. And how can it be when you've had to change your whole game plan in less than a season? They're still trying to figure out what will be effective. And luckily for them, they've got three of the best attacking players on the planet. Mm. So you know, they can afford to do something different. But they're going down the road of what I think Wasps were under Dai Young in 20, oh, 2017 or you know, whenever they had all, all of their superstars. And I'm not sure that's where they want to be. You don't want to be relying on talent. You want to be relying on dull systems and strategies. <laughs> um. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. Hmm. Well, uh, but yeah. T- talking of not relying on talent, is it time Semi Radranda gets dropped? Uh, why? Because he's rubbish. Uh, <laughs> I have been considering saying this for a long, for well, you, a long you time. You have said this for a while, haven't you? Yeah, and he go, what does he do? Goes and drops three more balls. Is uh, that is that a lot? <sighs> I think it is. I think it is for one of your marquee players. Now, I just wonder if. They use him in the in the wrong. Semi Radranda likes to get the ball in his hands and then set off, isolate a player, offload or beat a player or, or whatnot. What he seems to hate to do is get the ball when he's approaching the gain line, like a sort of Manu Tuolangi hard line or a Ben Teo hard line. I can understand why he might not like like to do that, but he just drops so many balls. So. Genuine question: How many mistakes did Esther Hazen make this week? Because he got man of the match this week. I've got no idea. Because I remember, I remember at least one knock on and at least one pass straight into touch. Yes, he did. I mean, the answer so, is I don't, I don't, I don't know. But, but you know, you know, Semi's stats. Well, I do I think watching. there's there's an element. You know, when um, when you get a new car or something, and then you see loads of those cars around. Yes. All of a sudden, it's you're you're wired. Your senses are open to that, and you are very much looking for any. Randrandra mistake because it's been something on your radar. Yeah, I'm I'm reading the Undoing Project by Michael Lewis at the moment. I've read that. I'm only I'm about f- uh, maybe fifty, sixty pages in, so I've not read a huge amount. What do you think? I, I can't imagine you, that you like that book one bit. 
Uh, well, as I say, I'm 50, 60 pages in. Very much enjoying it so far. But it, it, there's, there was a phrase that was used. Um, the, <laughs> what you've just said about uh, semi-dropping three balls kind of reminds me of, he's talking about um, basketball coaches. Um, uh, yes. con- confirmation bias, basically. They, they, and the, the phrase from the book is, they come to the, the conclusion first and then make the evidence fit the conclusion. I, I am telling you right so, now, you watch Sammy yeah. Rodrando. It's, you know, he will do some, <clears throat> a spectacular thing. Right. Uh, who was the... Uh, Leicester Tigers. He, he goes right right to the edge, off offloads, someone Beat, goes in. Yeah, t- t- beats two players, Yeah, then then draws two players in and offloads. So he's in the process of... I can't remember, it might have been Johan Lloyd or Purdy scoring the try. But he beats four players, two by beating them and two by drawing them in to pop the ball so that uh, Jon Lloyd has got to walk in. It's beyond clear to me now that he either shouldn't be playing <clears> or they need to play him in a, in a different role because they can't operate him close to the game line because he just doesn't seem to like it. Well, so I remember seeing him, him against Esterhazen. I can't remember if it was this season or last season. And he carried really hard to the point, and one of them, he... Rides the contact against Esterhazen, probably the hardest hitting centre in the league mm. when Manu's not fit. Um, and probably when Manu's fit. Yeah. Still I, the hardest hitting centre in the league. He's phenomenal. He rides and offloads inside to, it might have been Sheedy for that one. So doing exactly what you've just described him as not being able to do. So maybe you should look for evidence of do, him doing stuff that oh, you no, think he, he, he can't can, do. He can do things, right? He can do things. I just don't think the things he does are worth the money that people pay. And actually, I'd rather be playing Piers O'Connor. Well, you, like, legitimately, well, I'd rather no, play Piers O'Connor. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to step in there. Like, the, forget the amount of money for a second. You have that, to consider it. <clears throat> no, no, but it's a marquee player, so actually you don't. But um, And particularly when they've got a billionaire owner, your marquee player, you absolutely don't need to consider it. But uh, on Piers O'Connor, so Piers O'Connor, Callum Sheedy, uh, who else would I maybe say fits into this category? But those two, uh, as an example... Last season had, by by a distance, the best season of their professional rugby life. Yes, and this year and this year are some way off that. Well, I, you could probably you could probably extend that to several players. Yeah, and I mean, it's Pat Lamb must be getting frustrated with saying at the end of every game, "We're getting there. We're getting closer. <laughs> we're getting yeah. close." He does sound like a broken record. Well, he stopped saying that we're learning, and that's that, and, and that's encouraging. <laughs> So they're not learning. Now. Yeah, they yeah, stop learning. This is a waste of time. <laughs> uh, Bristol. I mean, what do you say about them? The, the frustrating thing was that their only try came from an intercept, and it was a poor intercept yeah. for Exeter to give away. But they they hardly looked like scoring. Besides that. Yeah, so at this point, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Bears Beyond the Gate. Bears Beyond the Gate. Bears Beyond the Gates podcast, which uh, I gave a little chat. Uh, I had a little chat with this nice. week uh, in anticipation of the sale game uh, next week, um, and I was equally down on both teams actually. Um, on Bristol, there's a, there are some sort of, uh, I guess, rays of light. Which is, I think they've got a core of players to build around now, and you, know, you can see when 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 times are really hard, you know there are certain players that put their hands up and do do okay. I thought Thacker was okay. I thought Randall's Th- been Thacker's a good player. Yeah, Randall's been okay for a few games now. In fact, he's the only good thing in the in the Leicester game. Randall and I actually, I really like Andy Uren as well. Yeah, I think they've got two quality scrum halves there. 
Uh, and, and Scrum Hearts, who can offer something different as well. Fitzharding is another one. Fitzharding's a good who, player. Who I'm enjoying. There, you know, there are lads in there. A guy who didn't play this week, but who's played well recently, uh, Fricker. Toby Fricker. Yeah. He's a good young lad. And you can throw Sam Jeffries into that mix too. Yeah. So, you know, good young lads coming through. And that's, abs- uh, and that's absolutely, um, absolutely great. Pat Lamb builds his teams differently to other coaches, which is, it is first and foremost attack. And as he says himself, he knows when his team is successful, when his... Uh, defence catches up with his attack. Well, I think his defence has been rather good, actually. I think that's the bit which they say, yeah, we can be really proud of this defensive effort, both against Leicester and also against Exeter, because you could mm. argue that the interception was one of those which was forced by, forced by the pressure. They get themselves yeah, yeah, in this yeah. game purely through defence, because the attack was not great. Yes, and you're right. That, that is, it's that flip a few seasons, two seasons ago. Bristol were trying to run everything. They yeah. were trying to run. They were trying to exit everything from their own twenty-two, and they came entirely. They became entirely predictable, because if you're always going to run, the defense knows exactly how to set up against you. They've almost shifted too far the other way. You're not going to win. Or it's unlikely you're going to win Premiership and European titles. I know they did win a European title um, by purely running, because but they'd already shifted to a bit more of the kicking. And last season, their mall try scoring was, yeah. was excellent. So they'd shifted. It now almost seems either by design or because they've run out of ideas or uh, personalities or w- whatever has happened, but they've shifted too far into that that um, non-attacking, defensive, pragmatic way, and they almost need to shift. Uh, see how they can shift back to it. It is an interesting question. Is If they did not review their game, just bin it, in fact, bin the whole season because it's been terrible, <laughs> and just go back to their core principles that they were playing with last season. Would that, love. Would, yeah, well, love. Effectively, Cap- capital love. Yeah, just loads of love. Would, would they, would they, would they play, play better? I think, it might, I think they need to do something rather drastic. The other thing I think as well is teams like Bristol and Sale and Bath and Leicester Tigers, in fact, almost everyone, Gloucester would be including this. I've got to get used to wildly different seasons from year to year because as the salary cap makes everything tighter, you can have a very good team one year and if this thing is just slightly off like it was in Bristol yep. on Bath and Sale, everything just comes falling to pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, jumping onto Sale, <clears throat> did you not think that there was some green shoots and it looked like they were maybe had a bit of their old identity that they had last season with Alex Sanderson. Not overly. Did, did you? I think I did, yeah. I, I so think they, they, they were ab- tough, they absolutely, they? they? absolutely bullied Wasps. Yeah, they, they bullied were, them. They were very tough. Yeah, they did, they did bully them and they continued to get gain line success and continued to stop Wasps. But I, I think... I think this game actually could have gone the other way. Yeah. Because you take out the two try, the yard try, which was from a Vea Fafita knock-on from a, from a um, kick-off, and you take out the overthrow for the Ben Curry try, then this this is a it's a one-point ball game. Yeah, and I, I see what you're saying, Tim, because... Well, it's, it's less than that. What's <laughs> win if you take out those two? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying because they were horrible to play against, and you know, yeah, Wasps eventually I, I, folded, uh, and that's why you know you had these cascade of tries, well, three tries. In fact, did they get the bonus point? They, they did. They got the bonus point after 43, 44 yeah. minutes. But I worry yeah. about what happens if you can stand up to this, and there's plenty of teams that can stand up to it. I mean, it's not particularly yeah. inventive, is it? No, no, I, I, I definitely take your point, and I, I think uh, Lee Blackett said that they've got something like eighteen. 
players that are out injured, he'll be back by the end of the month. And mm. if you'd have had if you'd have had guys like Joe Launchbury, um, Jack Willis in in the Wasp pack, Jack Willis would they have been beaten up as as much as they were? But uh, and and if you'd had Katoa in the centres and stuff, you know, leveling Van Rensburg, it could have yeah, I, so, I can see so, it could have been different. But it was just it was nice to see Sale be just horrible. They and, are horrible, uh, and I love the, that. The, I mean, it was a six. What was it? Uh, Wasps got the losing bonus point in the end. Uh, no, they didn't. Oh, it, no, they didn't. They got a try at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. losing bonus. No, no, no. But um, albeit Wasp scored the try late on and closed the score up. It was after the first ten minutes when we, when Wasp started really well. It was there was never a moment where Sale weren't completely in control. Yeah, yeah. Sale, Sale were always going to win this. Yeah, there's control, isn't there? And there's like, what do you do with that ball? And to me, Sale need to play Sam James every single game because he's just without him. There's not really much going on in the back line. It's, it is, so, it's interesting to see Rob Dupree slotting at 13, because mm. I just don't... They're obviously trying to replicate the Sam James, but yeah. it, it, doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Um, Sam James was on the bench. He was. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's all about McGinty. McGinty's such a good player. But he's, There's only one of them. Yeah, that, that is the problem. It's the same, same problem with the Leicester Tigers and George Ford. If George yeah. Ford is at the bottom of the rock, they're screwed. Yeah, or he's yeah. just passed the ball... If he's on the other side of the rock, what do they do now? And Sale got the same same problem with AJ. I mean, everyone raves about a, um, about AJ controlling the game, this that, and the other. And you know, largely they're true, but they're overlooking the bigger problem here, which is that's it. That, you know, there is nothing. There is nothing else. Yeah, that is the problem. Yeah, I mean, Faf comes back. You know, Mind you, Faf and Rafi coming back. Faf and Rafi as a pair. It, it, if they're in a, a match day squad, it's a different team as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they can snipe a bit more, but they just need a second playmaker somewhere, wherever but that may be. Faf can, Faf can do that when he comes back. He plays like a petit general. Yeah, but it's, I still I still don't think you can get your playmaker in at nine. I know there's DuPont. Yeah, it's, it's, just not, it's not the English way of doing things. It's not the premiership way of doing things. It's more of a South African way of doing Like Free Dupree... And, and Har- Harlequins, the champions of England, would very much disagree with you, JB. They would, wouldn't they? Hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, if those two come back, because you've got you've got the playmaker option, but you've also got the start, like, rafter quirk. Hey, folks! I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's so fast. Yeah. Well, I think we're looking at seeing Rafi about... Sorry, Rafi. Faf, about February time. I understand. Mm. Rafi in a couple of weeks. 
They will be a nightmare. They will be an absolute nightmare as a duo to play against. Start with, yeah. start with one, and then the other one come, comes off the bench. Good, good luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm mixed on the sale performance. I think it. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm also mixed on that that performance. Yeah. I was actually worried about this game because I thought if someone, if wasps as wasps can do, just catch on fire and start scoring tries, can Sale live with them? I'm not sure that if you get out in front of Sale, they've got the capacity to catch you. They've got the capacity to crush you, and eventually, you know, you can leak lots of tries because of just the, you know the physical beating that you're taking. But if you can stand up to that, and if you can get some points on them, all of a sudden they, they really struggle. So speaking of physical beatings... In, yes. Gloucester Harlequins. Oh. Gloucester. So, Gloucester, what were you doing? Well, I did, I'm, I'm just I'm picking up on the point I made about we, our Harlequins very much have a playmaker at nine mm. and, and a key player. Uh, every, I just can't stop thinking when I watch Danny Care play that it's ridiculous that he's been cast aside it's criminal at level it, it is it is ridiculous a war crime <laughs> it it does seem ludicrous he for the last few seasons has been playing such good rugby he is i was thinking about you know when i was watching him he is turning into an all-time premiership great and that's just not yeah well he scored his, he already is yeah i think yeah. he already is did he yeah. sc- He's catching Chris Ashton and co for tries yeah, scored. I think did he overtake Steve Hanley? This yes, week, he did. This weekend, yeah. seventy six tries uh, for a scrum half. He scored in the Premiership. Two titles over ten year span. Could be a between third. titles. It's amazing. It, yeah, he it, is it, seven tries of Christian Wade now. I think Christian Wade only played for about seven, seven seasons. Yeah, and but he scored. It's Christian Wade scored sixty of his seventy something or eighty something against Worcester. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And it's 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 one of my bugbears. This, uh, as I've talked about many times, and this obsession with youth and great players as Harry Randall and Rafter Quirk and uh, um, the, the one from Northampton, name Mitchell, Mitchell, uh, all, all fine players. But just because they're young doesn't mean they should leapfrog. You don't just cast someone aside because they're thirty three or. No, you Danny don't. Carey's but like, how many? Like, Danny Kerr is unnaturally good for thirty-three. I mean, he's so lively. Like, who is the, who is the equivalent of him across the league? They're older scrum halves, and they're great. I mean, I really enjoy watching Will Cliff play because he can kick where he needs to kick. He can pass where he needs to pass. He's like a, I guess he's like you know from the school of say um, Ben, like Ben Youngs or Richard 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 Wigglesworth now. And you know those older guys are fine. But who is the live wire? Who is thirty-three? Hmm. Danny Care, Danny Care, and that's about it. Nick yeah. White, Nick White had a small element of that for Exeter. Yeah, is, is he is Joe he, Simpson? Maybe? He's not that old though. I was going to say Nick, Nick White that old. I know he's uh, handlebar early thirties now. Yeah, he's thirty-one now. His handlebar moustache makes him look like he was born in the nineteen twenties. Exactly. But hmm, yeah. No, you're right. There's not many that stay I mean, he, explosive, and just his his mind works. Yeah. yeah, and that's so quicker than anyone. The bit that impressed me most about Quinn's, um, it's probably I've been thinking this for a little while, but <clears throat> it really came to the fore in this game, was Quinn's kick a lot, mm. but it's the range of their kicking. So they don't just they they occasionally do just box kick or just punt downfield, but the range of kicking that they have from Care, from Smith, from Green when he kicks. Um, is absolutely remarkable because oh. they do the they do everything they do the crossfield kick p- 
pass, they do the little grubber through, they do the dink over the top, they do the Danny Kerr little box kick into the corner that stops just before the corner, the try line. Yeah, all of those they do everything and so well. You've forgotten, you've forgotten the siege cannon, the guns of Netherroom. Esther Hazen. Esther Hazen. Esther Hazen takes the bloody dead, dead, dead ball kicks. Yeah. And he, he slotted a penalty, uh, no, conversion last week, I think. Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. Imagine Jamie Roberts if he's really good. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about that as well. How good was it for Marcus Smith's development? Like He had he had the um, Esther Hazen 1.0 in Jamie Roberts for two seasons. The, proto, the, the prototype. The, 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 beta, pro, the, the proto-Esther Hazen. Yeah, the beta version. Yeah. So he got used to working with the beta version and then they issue the full release it's like 2.0 it's like isn't it cutting your teeth in formula 2 yes and then they give you the formula 1 car exactly they give you the keys to the full (laughs) yeah all the tricks all the gadgetry here you go let him loose awesome and esther hazen i know i kind of mentioned a couple of um, mistakes he made before but not really wanting to he was absolutely class he's class all round one of the most important things put so much pressure on Gloucester was his turnover uh, turnovers I think he got three turnovers in the game remarkable his work at the breakdown there was one of them where he gets into a position he makes the tackle then goes over releases goes onto the ball and Geordie Reid flies at him full pace hits him like across the the back of the shoulders back of the neck and he hardly moves he just rides it and then wins the penalty do you know what annoys me about him is I watch him, I think that that should have been Janzi van Rensburg for sale. <laughs> I was thinking you got about, the wrong one. I was thinking about how good van Rensburg was legitimately my favourite player when he played for the, the Lions. Lions. Oh my word! The, the, the just those when, quads, the quads he oh, had then yeah. alone. The year that the Lions went to the final. Oh, he's unplayable. Now he doesn't have the range of skills that Esther Hazen has. It doesn't have the offloading ability. But as for the running, he might have been. He probably is a better, better runner because he, he's. Probably not that much lighter, but he's got a lower centre of gravity. Oh, such a powerful bloke. Yeah. And now he just, he's just not, he's just not that. He's still good, but he's just not that. He's not that, yeah. He's not Esther How unbelievable Andre Esterhazen is, is not needed by South Africa. Yeah, because he got asked this in the, by Nick Mullins in the Man of the Match interview, didn't he? Yeah. If if he'd heard from Ninaba, uh, and he said, no, not recently. So how long has he been in England for? Well, he is already capped by uh, South Africa. So? Um, Change of laws? Yeah, but you need to be... You can't do that by residency. Yeah, but there must be something they can... There must be something somewhere. So it'd be a (laughs) five-year... Three more years? You'd need a grandparent or parent. There must be. There must must be something in his bloodline. It's not a particularly English name. I mean, I guess it's only one... Andre? Uh, Andre, uh, Andre, <laughs> French, if anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, imagine, imagine. <clears throat> He's got a French grandparent. Oh, I'd, I'd, ha- I'd have him for France. <laughs> He'd fit in beautifully in France. In fact, in terms of French sensors, what are they like? Big, hard-running twelves. That'd be perfect. He, mm. he would. He'd play in pretty much any team in the world. If it wasn't for Diolande. Yeah, I think South Africa might be missing a trick there. And it's not exactly as if he doesn't fit the mould of rugby they want to play either. Yeah, he perfectly fits the mould. Yeah, he. so someone described him on Twitter as, yeah, you can stop him once, you just can't stop him multiple times. And I think that's right. It's <clears> the sort of, it's the wearing effect he has on, on your defence over and over and over again. And then as soon as you think, right, 
let's really focus on stopping this bloke. That's when Care and Dombran and Smith will hurt you, or Marchant, or somebody else. <coughs> so he's just he's effective in so many different ways. But just remember, they win the Premiership without him. I think in the final was he was he? I think he didn't. Did he injured or ba- was he banned from the scuff? Um, he got three... with Curtis Rona. Am I getting this wrong? I. No, because Mike Brown didn't play the final. Yes. I think Esther Hazen might come back for the final, actually. I think he's done for three games, and, they, and we joke that if he returns from his <coughs> back, it will be on that game, which will be the final. So maybe he did, did play a final. Let's see if I can find it. Well, um, Esther Hazen, yeah. He played that, the, I think he played the semi-final. He the semi- he'd got a six-match ban for... for, play, for um, it was like a forearm elbow to um, Curtis Rona. But yeah, I think... Did he come back for the final? Oh, yeah, it was an elbow like in the dead ball area, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Exactly that, Tim. Crazy. Yeah. So, in terms of this game, not a popular opinion, Gloucester should have had this sewn up by half-time. I mean, the Val <coughs> Rupava Ruskin drop was oh, heartbreaking. That, I mean, that would have been <sighs> try of the season. Just, just on that, that is one of those prime examples of something which does my head in. When, like, they, after Val Rupava Ruskin had the ball over the try line and only had to hold on to it to score a try. Yeah. Gloucester got a penalty, which they then yeah. kicked to the corner and scored a try from. I, <laughs> I'm with if, you. If I'm that with you. is not advantage over, I don't know. It's just it's just pointless having advantage at all. I, 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 no, I don't. That's not what I mean. It's just ridiculous that that wasn't advantage it over. Was, that was ludicrous. I know what you mean, Tim. And I, I, I'm sympathetic to your point. But in rugby, uh, everyone is so bloody risk-averse that the only times... Often that the team really opens up and has a crack, and you see this amazing rugby, is when advantage has been played. I think it's the least worst option. So yeah, it's not very fair on the team to have to face twenty something phases and have a try disallowed, and then go back to pe- for the penalty. But I, I enjoyed watching it, and if that's what it takes to watch these teams play open rugby, as long as it's fair to both sides, I don't really have a problem. I guess it'd be a case of you know, as long as yeah, as, as long as it's. Yeah, basically, as, as long as it's fair, I can kind of live with it. You, you, you're, uh, it's not rewarding incompetence. That's not what I mean, but it's uh, mitigating <clears throat> incompetence. Well, you, but you, are, you, I do take JB's point, which is you're also incentivizing risky play, which is more exciting play. Yeah, because if if you're just going to um, if you're going to lose the advantage for any try scoring opportunity, then well. Just, I'll take the three now. I'll just throw the ball on the floor, which is what a lot of scrum halves use. Uh, but uh, there's got to be a li- there's got to be a limit. Yeah, there's got to be a limit to it. And I think I think if you'd if you'd have just had George Skivington and you'd hit pause with Val Rapava Ruskin pause falling over in the try line. Do you want to do you want advantage over now or or not? Yeah, yeah I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, well, that that one was that's an extreme example. Yeah, they are pushing it. Should be. They are definitely pushing it to the you know the outer limits of what it should do. I've got a better quandary for you, though, on advantage. So we often say, don't we, that um, that it's good refereeing if the referee lets the play go and then comes back to the play later, right? So, so you know, imagine that there's a you know, 50-50 forward pass. We're not entirely sure. Just let it play out and then yep. we'll go back, go back and check it. So when Gloucester scored that try, which never was, Meehan's run, running along. I am certain that his offload was forward. Was forward. I'm certain. Yeah. But then Gloucester commit the penalty. So you've got this strange situation that if 
you think that you are in the you know you've been wronged by the referee, but he's playing it out. You've all of a sudden got to play rugby in an ultra cautious way, not to give away the penalty because that penalty will override the knock will override the knock on. Yes. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you know, oh, penalty against Gloucester. Uh, sorry, against Harlequins. Uh, yeah, for Gloucester. You can't then say, yeah, but sir, it was a it was a forward, forward pass. pass, and you'd have checked that forward pass if they'd have scored. Now, because there's a penalty in between the me on forward pass and and then the penalty being given an advantage, they would probably have just let that try go. Yes, uh, but there is also a number of phases that you can go through. So it probably was. I think you can look back three phases for um, a try. Yeah. It probably there probably was enough distance, with or without the penalty, um, involved in it because of the number of phases. But it's just, it's, I, I, you know, that that would have rankled me a little bit more if I was a Quinns fan, rather than the length of the advantage. Um, I have just checked. Andre Esther Hazen did not play the semi, but did play okay. the final. So the final was his return from ban. Nice. Um, just one one more point on Esther Hazen. Um, I've just remembered why uh, I was in my head comparing him to um, Jamie Roberts, which was obviously not the fact, not just the fact that he's playing twelve Is he Harlequins. Doctor? No, but um, it, Nick Mullins halfway through the game said Esther Hayes has been carrying in heavy traffic and he's making three meters per carry up to this point. Perfect. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of someone else. Come what may three. Uh, uh, Three metres in open space, three <laughs> metres in heavy traffic. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All the same. Yeah, it's, so uh, I, I disagree with the uh, the point you made where this was Gloucester should have put this to bed. Oh, they uh, should have, you know. I, yeah, I also I, disagree. I think that there was a creeping inevitability about Quinn's just tightening the screws and tightening the screws, and particularly in that second half, they just pinned Gloucester in their half. And for, for the reason that you talked about, Phil, that they they can cut loose when they want to, but tactically, they are so savvy, Harlequins, and they can just apply pressure through tactical kicking, through um, just forcing mistakes, through yeah. just sustained pressure. And I, I just there's a lot to respect about Quins the way they play, the balance they've got in their in their game. Yeah, I just think you're looking at a different game for Harlequins if Gloucester take advantage of all the possession they have, all the chances <clears> they have. I mean, they even missed a bloody line-out on the five-metre, which is very un-Gloucester-like. Most of that came in the first half when... So Quinn's had two men in the bin during that first half. Lorday and... Northmore, Northmore towards, yeah. towards the end. But after that, the sec- so Gloucester did have chances. They obviously missed one line-out. They took, I thought they took the two line-outs that they did score really well. The first one in particular, the Ackerman... Um, oh, that was try awesome. was a really nicely worked try to basically give him... You get... Ackerman, the best runner on the park for for Gloucester, a clear run. I think it was Marcus Smith and Marchant. Yeah, on the on the line. There's no way those two are stopping him with a run up. Is a really really nicely worked move. Um, but they didn't get many other opportunities besides that. They they really didn't. in second half. Exactly no, they, as you they said, didn't. And, and also, it's, you, you've got to say one of the most impressive things about Quinns is that aside from right near the very end of the game when Gloucester finally scored a pushover try, Quinn's absolutely nullified a, th- a weapon which Gloucester have been dominating with. Yes. Yeah. The, the credit to Gloucester goes for the fact that they they held Harlequins for almost the whole of that second half inside their own 22. And it was only incredible resilient defence from the Gloucester team that meant that Quinn's 
didn't score three, four, five plus tries. I, I think you're looking at two halves of rugby, right, which are basically mirror, mirror, mirror images of, of each other. Because the pressure that Gloucester... I mean, you could be describing Gloucester in the first half here. You know, it, it's only the fact that they made a few mistakes here and there that Harlequin survived that first half with as few points conceded as as actually did. But you're right. Like, second half, you can feel the screws tightening. You feel Harlequin's growing in confidence. You can see Gloucester tiring. I mean, you know, Esther Hazen, when he breaks through with 86 tackles, mm. would be an example of that. But I just, I feel, I feel Gloucester will be looking at this as opp- opportunity lost. Mm. I um, think both teams can look at it as, uh, and well, Quinn's obviously feeling positive about it, but I still think Gloucester can feel good. Yes. Um, yeah. I do think Gloucester, but, I think Gloucester are a genuine top four side now. I didn't think that before, but I think they, I think they are. Well, it, they actually are in the top four at the moment. They're ahead of Exeter Chiefs on 34 points, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is remarkable. They, they are a very good outfit. They, they'll be staying there. Um, I, I, I'm loving the way that they're playing rugby too. Lloyd Evans, Lloyd Evans, is that, is that yeah. the yeah. Yeah, 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 playing at 15. Yeah, it looked very, look, looked very, very, very handy. Yeah. Um, I I'll tell you who's been quiet for Gloucester, and I don't know if it's the way that they're playing or... If he's just not having a, a great bit of form, Lucy Summit seems to have mm. done very little this season. Not getting into it. Well, actually, you can say that about pretty much all three of their big name big name wingers, Johnny May and Thorley. Thorley. I mean, Thorley wasn't exactly effective. No, he worked hard, but you're right; he wasn't particularly effective. So maybe it is the way that they're playing and focusing on the basics and keeping it simple. Mm, yeah, they they do like to move. <laughs> Yeah, he just doesn't seem to be getting into any space. Yeah. But then again, there again, it's his job to make some. So yeah, get on with it. Exactly. Well, just just um, tangent. What well, I'm just suddenly thought of uh, your beloved Ulster Phil. Were there any? Was it into? Um, I think a lot of the games were, again. I think a lot of the games were postponed or cancelled. Um, there was a couple. Ah. Connacht beat Munster. Osprey Scarlet. That's right. I saw it was the Connacht result that was the one. I knew there was something which was. A fair result. That's a quality result, in fact. Good, good result. Yeah, I have watched the highlights. Not, <laughs> I mean, highlights is um, taking it a bit too far in that game. There wasn't really any highlights. There's a a scrappy charge down kick try for Conway and a pushover try for Bundiaki um, being the highlights of that game. Um, so yeah, good good result for Connacht, but not a great game. And then Scarlets beat Ospreys twenty two nineteen. I think that's the only stuff that actually happened in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yeah, Wales got themselves in this ridiculous situation where fans can go to the clubhouse but not actually watch the game. Which is ludicrous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway. Uh, just what, what, one email here from uh, Oliver Green-Taylor uh, to contact edchasers at gmail.com. And Marjorie this Green-Taylor? Relation... Oliver. Oh, Oliver. <laughs> Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor-Green. Oh, what? Uh, Oliver, Green, <laughs> Oliver Green-Taylor. Um uh, it, this is in relation to the uh, special podcast we did over Christmas. And uh, he, he, uh, so just a bit of correspondence here. He said, uh, another great podcast uh, on the 29th of December, lads. Couldn't resist the temptation of sending a quick message regarding old Eltamians. Yeah. Tame, Tamians. Uh, I was at OE's uh, when I picked up my first egg-shaped ball, played alongside alongside some amazing players, including none, none, none other than current Welsh centre Nick Tompkins, Whilst with the club, I was lucky enough to experience derby games against local rivals Blackheath, 
possibly the oldest rivalry in the beautiful game. Mm. Now playing at the mighty Thanet Wanderers, I was deeply saddened to hear the news regarding the downfall of my beloved junior club, uh, and I hope they managed to bounce back. He just uh, wanted to let us know he appreciated that podcast. Yeah, that one's in the feed. Uh, we had another message about... Um, we had some other messages about old, old Eltamians as well. Clearly a, a, a much-loved club. Mm. And, um, yeah... They're going through some troubles at the minute, but uh, we we will keep casting our eye on the on the lower league rugby. Yeah, and uh, seems to be that people have really appreciated it. We've seen a marvelous pickup of patrons for the last couple of weeks, so thank you for that. And I've got uh, some content which I'll be posting on to Patreon next week. In fact, we might even do a podcast for you this week. Mm. Excellent. Um, one other game that we've not touched on. Yes, let's talk about that. Northampton versus Saracens. So, oh yeah. I don't know if either of you have seen the game. Uh, I've not seen the full game, I've seen the highlights. From what it looked like, Lazowski scored relatively early with a nice try. And then, according to the highlights, nothing else happened until the 72nd minute yeah. when Wilson Croft scored, followed by Itoji scoring, followed by what could have been a try ex- uh, to get the Saracens' fourth bonus point in the last minute, the 84th minute, were it not for some... Uh, than bigger, astute play. So uh, this was the game that has convinced me now that Northampton are not a force. I looked at these two teams and I thought, do you know what, there's a good chance here. that not- In fact, Northampton should, should, should win this. We look at the players um, and you think, yeah, they've got a pretty a pretty good shot. They went in at half-time 6-all and then they collapsed. And this just is the story of Northampton. Uh, they, they're, just a soft, uh, they're just a soft team. Uh, and I think they're going to plummet down the league now. It's also, coincidentally, Northampton uh, or the team who are losing the DOR. I hear that Chris Boyd is off. Mm. Uh, so he will be stepping down, but there's a good chance he'll still be involved in the club in some way. So, you know, reading between the lines there, it sounds like a Chris Boyd decision rather than a Northampton decision. Do you know when he'll be stepping away? Is that I don't, I don't actually. It's not been announced yet. But end, end of season? I don't know. I expect there'll be an, uh, be an announcement. That's all I know is uh, he is, he is going to be stepping away. Hmm. He's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. Um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, I think I, I was thinking about um, Northampton, and I was kind of thinking that they've become, and they are right now, almost the the inverse of the Northampton team that won the Premiership in whatever year that was, twenty fourteen. I don't know when it was. Maybe. Playing hard 13, and, under, and overachievers. 14. No, <laughs> no, the. the Northampton team that won the Premiership were the most horrible, gnarly, massive pack. They, they had the and, best and, scrum, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. that's ever played, most destructive scrum that's ever played in the Premiership. Yeah, it's, it's true, ever so. played in the Premiership, and they, they they were just a horrible bunch of forwards, and they had kind of solid, reasonable backs, nothing too flashy. Now they've just got outrageously talented backs, and just they're just lightweight. They need to spend on props. That's what they need to spend their money on. Go get the biggest, nastiest props. They tried that. They tried getting bigger, hundred-time all-black um, Owen Franks. Well, get South Africans. It's, it's tried and tested. We, we, we know <laughs> we know they work. You know, uh, let's be honest. I have, have, New Zealanders have got a great track record at propping. John Foe was pretty good. John Foe was not bad. Uh, then, Carl, Carl Heyman was. Yeah, it's a long time ago that. We're talking 15 years that, ago. It's a while ago. They've only, they've only had three pop props in the last 15 years. Always, no, no, uh, always... Jeff Tamunga Allen. He's been a, a raging success at <laughs> scrummaging. I remember thinking of the national team. Owen Franks just hoovered up all the all the caps. Yeah, Owen Franks and Ben Franks have not been overly successful in the, in the Premiership. 
they, yeah, but, they, but even um, it's even the we talked we've talked about Esther Hazen and Han, Hansi van Rensburg and there's Tuolangi and but a lot of clubs have got some other focal point that. But but Northampton when Proctor's not there, Northampton don't even have that in the backs. They just they don't have any hardness. They would not hardness. That's not the right word. No, I, got, think, I got, think I think that's right. I mean, you've got you know you've got. Courtney and you've got Harrison who have like that abrasive attitude. That's it. I mean, you've got big men. You've got big, uh, you know, like Ribbons is good. Um, I think Matavesi is good. But they're not, they're, they're not the abrasive, horrible types. Mm. And maybe they are, but just not to the extent needed. So I, I'm just looking up. Can you name the pack, the, the Northampton pack that played when they won the Premiership? Uh, probably. Do you want me to uh, say uh, So it'll be... Tongaweer, Hartley, Majati. Yep. That's what I would have said. Oh, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. So, hang on. Hang on. When they won the league. When they won the Waller. league. Waller. It's got to be Majati and Tongaweer as the props. Waller is. It is not Majati and Tongaweer. Uh, really? Really, yeah. They, they must have been they're earlier than that. Yeah. Laws. So, they won it in 2013, 2014. Uh, it's not Kieran Brooks, Waller, Hartley, something. It is. Uh, you've got one, one out of three. Waller. Waller. Uh, who the hell? Actually, you... no, Waller's on the bench. You've got none out of three of the starting. Really? Hartley's on the bench, Waller's on the bench. Um. Uh, wow, uh, you've, really stumped, you've really stumped me now. Kieran Brooks? No. Uh, <coughs> uh, there's not majority and there's not Tongawea. Not majority, not Tongawea. So, majority uh, and Tongawea won the Premiership. No, they did not. No, I'm really? Lo- I'm looking at the team now. I've got it in front of me. They did not win the I Premiership. They must, wow. They must have. So I'm just looking back. They uh, were redi- They were just redi- well. So so they were ridiculous. You've got in the, you've got you've got under my skin now. Oh, so so, yeah, so no, no, Tom wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait. In the background, it'll be Corbisiero, Tom Cor- Wood, Cor- 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 Corbisiero, Corbisiero. Oh, yes. Corbs, Corbisiero. Uh, so back back row, it'll be Callum Clark, Tom Wood, uh, Callum Clark, Tom Wood, tick tick. Uh, Not Courtney and Courtney Laws. He was in second row, surely. Courtney Laws is in the second row. Yeah, pretty destructive second row. Uh, Manoa, Samu Manoa, yes. and Corn- Big Corn. Yes. Uh, so who was the other flanker then? So you, you're missing the number eight. Number eight. Number eight. Saints Wood, Cam um, Clark, and so the number eight. So you could have had the, the number eight also played second row a little bit. Tim Rodber. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's 2014. Remember. I was just trying to work out who the tight head was. I think you'll struggle to get the two the two tight heads. Right, we'll come back to it. Um, it uh, it was the little yappy uh, Dixon scrum off. Uh, no, Lee, f- Lee Dixon's on the bench. Can't photo Lee then. Photo Lee, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the Myler. Myler, yeah. Who are the centres? Yeah. Centres. I can't remember this team. I thought this this would be easy. It's actually ridiculously hard. Right, uh, th- th- <clears throat> this is this is great. This is great. 
no, no, it's all right. Um, how, how on earth do I not know this? No, I, I've, I've, I've drawn a blank now. Okay, I'll tell you the rest of the back line. Do you want me to give you some clues? Yes. So, the 12 played for England. France? Uh, oh, oh uh, the Luther Burrell. Big Luth. Yeah, of course it is. Big Luth, yeah. And the 15 also played for England. And originated... Oh, for, oh it's bloody Foden. Foden. Uh, so, does that mean Ashton was on... No. Oh, it was on the ring, wing. Well, Ashton was on the wing, but for the opposition. Saracens, are uh. Saracens, yeah. Um, the two, a pair of brothers were playing 13 and 14. Uh, two orders? Or, oh, no, t- yeah, PC. PCs, Ken PCs, and George. Ken, Ken and George, PC. And you had a Welshman on the left wing. Uh, oh, George, George North. No. George, George, North. George North. How yeah. on earth did I not get any of these? These are easy. And then in the pack, you were missing... So you you got the loose head prop. You've not got the starting hooker. You've not got the tight head. Is this like? I, oh, do you know? I know the hooker. As soon as you say him, it's gonna. Oh. He's he's still there, I think. Not fish. Oh, not fish. Um, uh, Mikey Haywood. Mike well Haywood. Well yes. And then the tight head or both tight heads, which are difficult. What was the name? What was the name of the the? I I I can now picture the number eight. I can't remember the name. He was like he came from the championship. Describe him to me. Yes. Oh, um, bald head. Yes. Yeah, he played for Coldy. Played for Coldy. Yeah. Sam Dickens. No, Sam Correct. Dixon. Sam Dickinson. Sam Dickinson. 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 Yeah, he was ace. For yeah, a he had a while. few. He had a few good years. Yeah. Right. So these tight heads. So two. T- so you're missing some of the. Uh... Oh, it's the guy who got punched. He's from Australia. Yes. Oh. Yes. Ugh. And I can never tell. I can never tell if he's, if he's got a brother. He's played for Leicester. He's played for Gloucester. He does have a brother. Yeah, and oh I yes, uh, his brother uh, played for Nottingham. Uh, no, I don't think so. Australian. No, uh, what's his name? Or uh, maybe he played for. Uh, no, um, oh that's uh, oh god, um, uh, isn't he named after? He's like yeah, the Aussie prop that's named after. Or I don't know if he's named after, but he's got the same name as what's that? What's that like? Legendary Aussie winger, Roth. Uh, Campisi, Campisi Marfu, Well, well done, Tim. It's the other one. It's the brother, Salisi Marfu. Yes. Uh, so, is, did, did Campisi Marfu not play for Nottingham? Is that? Uh, Maybe he did. You're right, Tim. Bloody hell. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. You are right. He also played for Leicester, Northampton, uh, Cardiff Blues, Provence, and Fiji. I'm just looking on his Wikipedia page because I'm sure. Salisi Marafu and Campisi Marafu both made their international debuts against each other. One for Australia and one for Fiji. Is that right? Wow, that's awesome. I'm sure. Yes, here we go. Marafu family made an especially interesting mark in rugby history in 2010 when the two brothers played against each other in a test match between, or maybe it wasn't their debut, but played against each other in a test match between Australia and Fiji. And who was the other tight head? Uh, this, is, this is tough. This is a chap, I'm sure, so we've discussed him before, we've actually discussed him before in regard of the Saracens salary cap issue. I'm sure this is who it is. Saracens salary cap? I don't know. Do I? I uh, don't want to get the wrong, I don't want to name the wrong guy. I've got no idea. Saracens. Yeah. Mm. Not got a clue. 
No. Let me just look this up. Yes. I, I, for, I can't believe I thought that uh, Tonga Weir and Majati won the Prem. Because they were so dominant, Tim. Like, when they were they good, were they so were so good. dominant. They were so good. Did that, not, that Northampton team didn't win anything in, in, in the end. And then Majority went to Racing, didn't he? And where did Tonga Weir go? Tonga Weir went somewhere else. Because there was a period where Tonga Weir was going to be going to Saracens, and then did they not both? Did they? Because they got it was about two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Northampton got to the final of Europe. Did they lose against Leinster? Was it Leinster? Yeah, Leinster in an all-time epic. So they, they go. They, they go in twenty-four nil up, and then they get battered. And I think I'm sure they beat someone. Let's say they beat Racing or someone else on the route to the final. And they stole their props. Yeah, maybe they went for both of those they might props. might went for both of them. I'm sure they... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, get this. So, uh, so Arnie Tongawir uh, played for Northampton. Uh, then he went to Racing. Yeah. The year that... Uh, uh, hold on. So when did Northampton win the title? 2014 or 2013? 2014. Oh, so he, he left Northampton and then they won the league. Yeah. Uh, where, while he was at Racing. Then he went to Oyanat, Bristol. Then he went to Ampthill. And he currently <laughs> plays for Chinna. Does he? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So who, who, who was the other tight head? The other tight head. So the reason why I kind of know of him is because he is co-owner of MBN Events, which... Pay- oh, stop. Is it is it uh, Haskell's mate? No, not Paul Doran Jones. No, okay, I don't know, because he, he was also in Northampton. So he's married to Lucy Ray... Yeah, I know, I know the guy now, but I can't, I can't remember his name. And MBN events were listed. I think they were in the redacted. They were. It might not have been uh, detailed in the redacted version of the uh, Dyson report, but because they paid, and I think it was. I think the player was Mario Toji, although it was redacted in the final version. Um, something like fifty thousand pounds or seventy-five thousand pounds. Not for sure him, if he ever showed up for, for him to appear at an event. And they had no evidence. They they couldn't even manufacture evidence that he'd attended <laughs> an event. So yes, um, it was Tom Mercy. Oh, that would have taken me a long Tom time. Mercy. A long time. Yeah, to no. Get. Yes, could have been here till next week. Trying yes. to guess that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the least memorable <laughs> winners of all time. And I, the bench, the bench was Dylan Hartley, Alex Waller, Tom Mercy, who we've just mentioned. Second row, long, no. long time. Uh, Long time Northampton Saint also played for Sale. I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, they, Christian Day. Christian Day. Uh, another a Newcastle and long time uh, Northampton number eight on the bench. Don't know. Uh, Mark well, uh, um, for Newcastle. Would you say Newcastle started his career at Newcastle? I played eight years at Newcastle. Oh, d- 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 Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson. Oh yeah. And the back line was Lee Dixon. Who you've already mentioned. Tom Stevenson and young Englishman oh, James Wilson. James, James Wilson, thirty-five-year-old well, Kiwi, young, I, young Englishman James Wilson. Legitimately, I'd have named the two thousand European Cup Northampton team much quicker than I would <laughs> that one, or whenever it was that they won the European Cup. Yeah, it was about two thousand. Yeah, much, much quicker than that one. <laughs> wow, great, great quiz. Yeah, the worst one we've ever done. Well, the, well, well done, everyone. Well, well done. Let's have some predictions for next week because we've done everything now. Good idea. Uh, let's have a look. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick off. Sale, sale, Bristol, Friday night. Nice. 
Uh, this is at Bristol. It's at, yes, it is at Bristol. Actually, I thought it was at Sale, but it's not. It's at Bristol. Hmm. Uh, sale, I think. I was, I was just, uh, I'm just going to flag this up. So, uh, Suwani Tongawe is player coach at Chinna. Yeah, and um, uh, Chinna have a young prop who's been named in the England under twenty squad as well. Have they really? Which doesn't that doesn't happen very often, does it? Not at all. It really doesn't. In uh, the in the full blown under twenty squad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if he's on loan to Chinna or Chinna loaned him out to an academy. Or something. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Because that is unusual. Yeah, put it mildly. Hmm. Uh, sale, sale beat Bristol at Ashton Gate. Does anyone disagree with that? I think uh, it'll be a good game. I do think it'll be a good game. Well, if Bristol can't score tries at the moment because they are struggling, yeah, they're not going to outmuscle Sale. No. So if they want to get into, you know. An arm wrestle that's going to go very badly for very badly for for them. So that alone makes me think sale. Now, if Bristol find a little bit of you know, the magic from last year, they score a few tries. It's going to be difficult for sale. I just don't see any evidence of yeah. Bristol doing that. I think yeah, you're right. Maybe it would be incredibly boring, low scoring. Sale ground it out. Boring, you say? Did um, <laughs> oh, by the way, on on the on the Acker, we said, oh, I bet London Irish ruin the Acker. <laughs> always, they would have done. Yeah. Well, well, always. It, but we, but we did say that this week, the weekend just gone would have been a great one for an accumulator. Except if you and, picked Gloucester. And it went and that way, didn't it? <laughs> it, it went well, with our predictions, Tim. It did, 100%. If you listened to me and Phil, then you would have been quids in. But over the course of the season, statistically, you'd be worse off. <laughs> well, only because you don't predict <laughs> half the games. I predict every game now. Well, but, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I am going to go for Sail Away. Sail Away. Yep. Harlequins Exeter. Cracker. Ooh. Absolute belter. I, give me Quinns. Uh, Quinn, it's, it's at the stoop. Quinns, yeah. I, I can see that. They've got no serious injury concerns. They've got no no people missing, I don't think. Is Marla back? He was wearing a hat on the weekend, running up and down the touchline. But it doesn't really matter. I think they'll win anyway. He was carrying yeah. water, wasn't he? Yeah. Quinns at home. Yeah, give me Quinns. Next one, North uh, Northampton, Newcastle at Newcastle. Falcons. I think Falcons. I think Northampton are going to get smashed, actually, up at, up at, North, up at Newcastle. Um, I, I can see this going. This, this is hard to call, actually. I, bought, I will go for a, ho- a narrow home win, but that's hard to call. So this is a good game. Saracens-Gloucester. Saracens. I'm really interested in this one, because if this goes how you would traditionally think it would have at the start of the season, which is Saracens smashing Gloucester. It means, you know, two things for... Well, it means that Saracens are legitimate and maybe Gloucester are not as good good as we think. If Gloucester can steal this one, it'll be absolutely awesome. <clears throat> it, I think it's a game too far for Gloucester. I think I think Saracens will uh, will do what they do, what they've done to many teams over a long period of time. I agree. That Gloucester team. I tend to agree. I don't want to agree. I really want Gloucester to win. I really want Gloucester to win. But that's, <laughs> I, really, I really like this Gloucester yeah. team. It's clouding my it's clouding my judgment to the point that um, I'm picking Gloucester. No, I'm not going to pick Gloucester. It's got to be Saracens, hasn't it? It has to be it has Saracens. To be Saracens. Um, do you think though, if Gloucester continue with their form, could next year be Gloucester's year? That's a great question. One or just one or two signings, and they're away. Just yeah, just. Not even just keep on the trajectory they've got. They've already they've got Jake, f- Jake Pelledry back, and oh, it could be Gloucester's year. Now you're talking. Maybe if he comes up for the playoffs, 
Could this year be Gloucester's year? Maybe, maybe. But you know, they've not. They're not short of props. Unbelievably, mm. the second rows are unbelievably pretty good. I like, yeah. I've always liked, 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 liked the back row. They've found a fly half. Yeah, they've got uh, two fly halves. Everything's going remarkably well. They've got too well. Quality, experienced centres. They've got lightning fast outside backs. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Oh my word! This is a, this is another tough game. Bath Worcester. Oh, what do we go for? By the what do we go for? By oh, the way, Saracens. Saracens. Board. I think Saracens, so far yeah, everyone, uh, everyone's home when it's up for sale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Bath, Bath Worcester. Worcester. Good God. I mean, shall we talk about the easier fixture first? There's Wasps Leicester. Leicester are going to win that. I think Leicester will win that. Yeah, yeah, Leicester win that. Bath Worcester. This will be fascinating. Annoyingly, I think the Wasps Leicester game is going to be the televised game. Yeah, I definitely watch Bath Bath Worcester. I think Worcester can beat them. I think Worcester will beat them. I think Worcester definitely can. It's whether Bath throw the game to try and get two points. Yeah, you got to ask, like, how bad is uh, yeah? How bad is the Bath morale in camp? How much do they not want to win this game? They don't really want to be there, do they? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's a, you know, I think they're going to be dreading it, and Worcester are going to be fired up. But Worcester win this; it's four wins for, wins for the season, which is one win off my prediction of their total wins for five. No, come, yeah, come on, Worcester. Wins. Give me, give me Worcester. Jesus Christ, Worcester win this. I mean, they'll have the same amount of wins as sell, as, as sell Sharks or London. Oh, well, they'll be ahead of London Irish in, in wins. In wins, because they've got a, a week off. So yeah, it's um, come on, Worcester. Go on, Worcester. You, you can do it, Worcester. Give me Worcester. Would you put your money on on Worcester? <sighs> I'm not. Sh- bath at, I'm going Bath at home to break the duck. If Danny Cipriani plays. Give me Worcester. I'll give, yeah, I'll take Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, we go. Great gag. There we have it. <laughs> on that bombshell. Yes. Okay, well, I think we're all done. So, in that case, you can go and find us on Twitter, at Ruby Podcast, me at JBeard, Mark Tim, at Cocker. Well, I'll, tell, Tim. I'll tell you what, I'll just say any other business, because I've, co- I've got a couple more days where I'm just sat at home. Like, give me, a, give me something to watch. Oh, okay. I'll I'm just, I'll just world's strongest man. I'm all over. Oh. I'm, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on heat. I'm on heat two out of the si- the six episodes. So once upon a time, Tim gave me a recommendation to watch Battlestar Galactica, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I think you know the, the new one's got some really interesting, like political um, political angles and whatnot. And I love sci-fi. I've just started watching The Expanse on Amazon, and I'm absolutely loving it. It is a very well written, um, pretty well acted. Uh, adapt- adaptation of a book and you can tell it's from a book because they're not trying to continually push the message down down, down, your, down your throat um, you know things which simply wouldn't have been written um, had this been made out of whole cloth by Amazon uh, so I'd recommend that actually if, you, if you're at loose okay. end season one's really good and then it gets really ropey season two and season three but season one's actually it's a really interesting it really interesting uh, sci- sci-fi box set mm. cool uh, and I, I would well, I'd recommend uh, the book I'm reading at the moment, The Undoing. Although, JB, you said I wouldn't enjoy it. What, what Be- reason? Because it's very story-based. So I was absolutely engrossed with the basketball thing, the, yeah. the GM. And then it sort of 
deconstructs itself into sort of just anecdotes and stories, which I know you hate, sort of the background about where they grew up and the cocktail parties that they went to. And well, it depends how many, how good the cocktail parties were. That is very fair. But I, I don't care about their personal histories. Tell me what they, what they discovered, what I can learn and how I can apply it. So I'm actually, so I'm, uh, yeah, maybe 60 or 70 pages in. But um, so I've just about to start the, the first chapter on Tversky's, Amos Tversky's history. So for anyone who doesn't know, this is um, the story of Kahneman and, and Tversky. And Kahneman's obviously, Daniel Kahneman mm. uh, is famous for um, thinking fast and slow and um, being aware of how uh, fallible the human brain is and the biases and the failings that we aren't even aware of that influence our decision-making all the time. Um, so it's it's not really at that stage other than talking about it from a basketball perspective and then giving their kind of history. But these are two of the, the, the most influential thinkers of the 20th century. Yeah. So I'm... I'm and to to read about... Kahneman's upbringing in, well, um, World War Two torn U- Europe, World War Two torn France, occupied France is absolutely incredible, and obviously leads to what he be- became. So I've, I've thus far found it fascinating. I'm surprised at that. I, I thought you'd find that superfluous and unnecessary. <laughs> I thought you'd no, because probably... it builds the it builds a richer picture for the work that he did afterwards. Uh, So when it's, so I read a book uh, a little while ago, I can't remember what it was called about um, the brain. um, Yes. Brain injuries. Yeah. Brain injuries. And it was every chapter started with, so it was a um, neuroscience professor visiting people who had brain injuries and like the most unique and unusual brain injuries. And every chapter started with describing the, uh, the sparkling water drunk in the cafe on the corner of the village where this person <laughs> Not was. Not interested! I don't care about that. But listening to the history of Tversky and Kahneman growing up in war-torn Europe and Tversky in, as a paratrooper trooper in Israel... That's a cool that story. That is fascinating, yeah. So I'm very but much like, enjoying it. I'd rather just read a book about paratroopers in Israel, though. <laughs> yeah, I would, I'd, I'd love to read that book. Um, I have got the... The actual Kinnaman book upstairs, Thinking Fast and Slow. Thinking Fast and Slow. I've read the the blink, like the condensed version of it, but not the full version. Goodness me, it's difficult. So really, really difficult. So uh, my, my book recommendation would be, I think I mentioned this to you off the pod last week, Tim, uh, The Man from the Future about uh, oh, John, yeah. John von Neumann, who is, it, yes. that is a tough, the first hundred pages of that is a tough read because it is, it's his work, it's trying to simplify his work on the mathematics that sits behind quantum physics in the early part of the 20th century. But he is one of the most fascinating characters and went on to have a hand in, well, some of the greatest uh, thinking and greatest accomplishments of the 20th century, including uh, the Manhattan Project, quantum physics, the birth of the computer, and if effectively writing game theory. That's quite a <laughs> quite a CV, isn't that's it? So, that's some CV, yeah. Well, unbelievable. I do have one more thing for you, Tim. Which uh, yeah, go on. Is nowhere near as profound as the books that Phil is reading. It is a book about a journalist, a tech journalist, who quits his job and goes to work at um, <laughs> at HubSpot. Now, the reason I started reading this because I was writing for Rugby Pass about culture. 
and I typed into YouTube to see if there's any good things about culture. And I found this guy called Dan, Dan Lyons giving a talk about the cultures in tech companies. And it was literally like someone had taken all of the nonsense that directors <laughs> of rugby uh, try to pull on their players. Oh, whoops. And condensed it into this presentation. And at that point, I thought, I've got to read this book. And the parallels that I've drawn between nonsense tech startup culture and rug- and directors of rugby... I mean, you lit- it could be the same thing. It could be the exact same thing. The use of we and everything, the use of cultural codes, I did the, enjoy- yeah, languages, I, the lot. I enjoyed your Ruby Pass um, article yeah. on I, that culture. And Dan Lyons is a very engaging writer, very, very funny. Uh, it's it's a gr- it's a great book. I, I got I got really hooked on on that, and it's easy to read. You don't have to worry about equations or science or anything. <laughs> you just read it, and it's very funny. Wonderful. There you go. There you go. Egg Chaser That's Book my Club. Week sorted. Thanks, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Let's wrap this up. Right. Okay. Let's actually try and end this now. So, if you want to find us, Twitter at jbeardmore at Ruby Podcast. You can do other things, but we're not interested. Just email us. Uh, no, actually, we are interested. Sign us a patron. Get us paid. We need to get paid. Uh, or you can just send us an email. That is contacteggchasers at gmail.com. Anything else? Is that, is that it? Are we done? We're done. All right. Bye bye, Phil. Bye bye, Tim. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.